With that, I am going to ask our sister, Erin, to come up and read our text for today. We're going through the book of John, and then um, I'm going to follow her with some prayer and then diving into the text. Thank you, Erin. John uh, 1, 19 through 34. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Hmm. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and am borne witness that this is the Son of God. Please join with me as we pray about stuff going on in our community and then on this text that we're going to study this morning. God, we're grateful to be gathered together both in person and online. And we pray as we do gather together, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would knit us together continually as family. We do give this year to you as we close this year out. All that has taken place, all the good and the difficult, all the happy and all the sad, Lord, we, we give that to you, Lord God. We do know and we trust, O oh God, that you are sovereign over all things. We don't know how to always explain that or get our mind around it. But we trust you and we trust that you are working all things out for your good, Lord, for our good, rather, and for your glory, Lord God. We give you the things we've walked through together. The, the pandemic, the, the, the closing of physical services for a season all the difficult things we walk through and how do we gather together again and how do we gather safely and how do we figure out the technology and 
You provided for us. You kept us. You sustained us. You protected us. You shielded us. We're thankful for that, Lord. We give to you the things we've walked through in this city. The the protests, the violence, the demonstrations, the, the anger of racial injustice, the racial injustice that has once again sprung to light. Lord, we give you these things. Lord, we just ask for continued grace, continued understanding, continued wisdom, continued love, continued justice in your name, Lord, and that we as your people, God, would just walk with you humbly and faithfully. Lord, we've walked through a lot politically, just intense divisiveness and uh, Christians fighting against one another and uh, just a country that is in many cases felt on edge. Lord, we just continue to give that to you. We trust you and we thank you for carrying your people through this season. And we just trust you with it. Now we give you this fire that we've had at the building that's meant to find another place and you provided this place and, and the restoration process that has begun and some of the difficulties around that. Lord, we give that to you. We thank you for carrying us through it and walking with us through it and providing what's needed. Lord, we know that many of us have struggled with isolation. We've struggled being alone so much. We've struggled just with anger as we've seen some of the stuff that people have said on social media or some of the ways people have treated one another. God, we just give you those feelings of isolation or loneliness or anger or sadness or grief. Thank you for the way you've carried us through these things this year. Thank you that for so many this year has been a time of deep growth a time of stripping away, a time of prioritization, what matters and what does not, a time of deeper community or deeper family time or increased relationships. We thank you for the ways that for so many, this time has been a time of discipline that has produced good fruit. And we're grateful for that, Lord God. Lord, we do just thank you for the church your people scattered throughout the world and in this city. Thank you for the way you have carried your church through this. We have had problems. We have had struggles. We have had failures. And yet you have sustained us, your people, and we are grateful, Lord. We thank you for the church in this city, multiple congregations who have had to navigate lots of difficult decisions Thank you for so many faithful, strong, good churches in this city who love you and who love one another, who have had to navigate such difficulty. Thank you for the leadership of these churches who has endured, who has persevered, who in most, if not all cases, have refused to quit, but have persevered through in in circumstances that have been very trying. Thank you for your church in this city. Thank you for our small groups, so many who are still gathering virtually, gathering in smaller groups in person. Thank you for our leaders, the way they've continued to carry responsibility for the church, to love and care for and serve this community. We're grateful for them, Lord. We pray as they continue to gather virtually or 
smaller groups in person, that you would bless them, that they'd grow in the truth together, they'd grow in community together, they'd grow in a sense of mission and purpose together. We thank you for our workers scattered throughout the world who have experienced this in a unique way. We pray your comfort and encouragement and blessing to them. And we do ask you, Lord, for your will to be done in 2021. Lord God, that you would be honored, that you would be exalted in all the earth, that in Portland, Lord God, your people would continue to move forward, sharing the gospel, making disciples, serving and caring for the vulnerable, living in our vocations in ways that honor you and bless society. And we pray that you would bless and keep the well family in 2021, Lord. That all you want us to be and all you want us to do, Lord, you would do it. We cannot do it apart from the work and empowering of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. And so we trust you. We look to you. We pray that you would be exalted. That your will would be done in all things, Lord God. We pray, God, that you would take our sometimes small efforts and use them to see people come to faith. You would use them, Lord, to see new disciples made. You would use them to see the poor and the vulnerable cared for and protected and loved and sheltered. You would use our efforts to see people grow in their faith. And you would use our effort to see new communities of worship established where there currently is no gospel witness. Father God, would you take our small efforts and use them in big ways in 2021 for the good of your people globally and the glory of your name. And Lord God, in your divine wisdom, you have placed us with John the Baptist as we close the year out. So as we open this word that Aaron just read to us, this text that is from you for us today, we pray, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. We pray, Holy Spirit, give us instruction. We pray, Holy Spirit, help us to understand what it means and how to live it out and obey it. And I pray you'd help me, oh God, in my profound weakness to communicate this accurately in a way that is helpful and encouraging to the people of God, gathered here and gathered virtually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A long prayer. I don't apologize. <laughs> I read once to the effect of pastors should pray a long time before the sermons to make sure people aren't just consumers. And so... If you've sat through that, you are not a church consumer. Congratulations. <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll open this text as we often do as a way to kind of frame up how to think about it and ask the question, what is a witness? What is a witness? A longer definition from a theological dictionary, a witness is to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something or that he or she knows it 
because it's been taught by divine revelation or inspiration. A shorter definition would be to give evidence, to bear record, to testify, which is why uh, someone giving evidence at a court case is considered a witness. It's why if you want to have a backup that you're telling the truth, you, hey, tell them what I'm saying is true. You're bearing record. You're giving evidence that what is being communicated is accurate. You're confirming it. As the book of John begins, there's this one loud primary witness. The first witness of the truth of Jesus, John the Baptist. It's easy, particularly for those of us who've been in church community for a long time, to see his name and kind of breathe through it. Yeah, we know he was unique and eccentric, lived out in the desert, wore weird clothes, ate strange things, but we lose the impact and the force of his record, of his testimony. John, as he begins this book so that we might believe, doesn't breeze through John the Baptist, but gives him central place as the book begins and records his testimony. That's what we're going today. So if you're just joining us, we're starting the book of John. We're going to spend about a year to 18 months in it. We've done the intro. We've done the prologue, verses 1 to 18, which set the stage for the entire book. And today we learn about this first witness. Let's look at it, those verses that Aaron read, chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. This is what John said. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? The authorities, the bigwigs, corporate, if you will, send people to discover who is John the Baptist. There's confusion around who he is. People are going to him from all around. Some uncertainty as to who he is. Theologian D.A. Carson says, first century Palestine was rife with messianic expectations. Is he the Christ? Is he someone else? Is he just another religious teacher? So the religious leadership sends people to find out, who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. A couple of elders mentioned this last week. He refused to take the limelight. He refused to point people towards himself. It's so different than sometimes the Christian subculture where Christian leadership shamelessly promotes themselves. He does not do this. I am not the star of the show. It is not about me. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? From the prophecy in Malachi 4, 5, which said that Elijah would come before the day of the Lord. People were expecting Elijah. Now we know from Matthew 11, 14 that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of that prophecy, but he was not the literal flesh and blood Elijah. He said, so they said, are you the prophet? 
That comes from an expectation, Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. They're expecting this prophetic figure, the prophet, to come because Moses said one would come. Are you the prophet? Now we know from Acts 3 and Acts 7, Jesus is the fulfillment of that one. But they're thinking, is John the Baptist the fulfillment of that one? And he answered, no. Verse 22. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah Said. He answers them, quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John the Baptist says, that's who I am. The fulfillment of Isaiah 40 and verse 3. I am the promised one who would prepare people, who would get people ready for the coming Messiah. Verse 24. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees to make sure we understand this is a delegation sent by religious leadership who would be sure to reject him. Verse 25, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Scholars tell us that baptism was a thing back then, and in their understanding, it required a unique authority to baptize. If you are not the Christ, and if you are not Elijah, and if you are not the prophet, what gives you authority to stand out here and baptize all these people who are coming to you? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not even know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to Untie. He answers them without really answering what they wanted to hear. He said, I do baptize you with water. But there's one here that you don't even recognize. And even though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. A jaw reserved for slaves. These things took place, verse 28, in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing, a geographical mile marker. These are real events in real places with real eyewitnesses. Change in scene, verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, now we get to the testimony, the witness, the declaration the announcement of who Jesus is and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is he whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with the water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the son of God. So what did he witness about? What was his testimony that we might believe? Firstly, he said that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. From the time that Isaac, in obedience to God, excuse me, Abraham, in obedience to God, takes Isaac in the book of Genesis to the mountain to sacrifice him. And quote, Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. To the Passover lamb in Exodus 12, whose death protected the people of God when God brought judgment on Egypt, freeing his people from slavery. To the Old Testament sacrificial system where someone sins, And justice must be served to satisfy the wrath that that uh, sin rightly requires. So the worshiper takes a lamb, a goat, or a bull, and that animal dies as the atonement for sin. The animal dies so the sinner does not have to. To the promised suffering servant of Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. All of these historic events in the history of the people of God find their fulfillment in Jesus. John says, this is the one whom all that was about. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice of God who takes the punishment as a substitute. The second thing John gives witness to is there and found there in verse 30. That Jesus is pre-existent. This is he who said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. It's the repeating of verse 1-1 and verse 115. This idea, this truth that Jesus has no beginning and no ending. He's not a religious teacher in line of other religious teachers. No, he is God in a body. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Luke chapter 1, before John was born, it was a predetermined purpose of John's life that he would reveal, he would be a part of revealing who Christ was. And though they were relatives, the scriptures do explain that, 
John did not know this was the promised and awaited Messiah. We can assume they knew each other personally because they're relatives, but that he did not realize in fullness that this was the promised Messiah until verse 32. And this is the third part of his witness. The Holy Spirit remains on Jesus. We see it in there in verse 32. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for battle or for a significant responsibility or a role or a purpose or governance, but it didn't stay. It was a different kind of empowering or dwelling with the Holy Spirit. But with Jesus, God the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and stays. It doesn't leave. He's referencing Matthew 3, also referenced in Luke, also referenced in Mark. Other gospel biographers. When Jesus was baptized, John doesn't give the details of the baptism but references this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. He's the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The testimony of John is he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is preexistent. He's the one whom the Holy Spirit comes and remains on. And fourthly, in verse 33, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. As John immersed in water, Jesus immerses his followers in the Holy Spirit. To those who believe, God the Holy Spirit covers them, immerses them, lives with them, in them, and among them. For those of us in this room, for those of us watching at home, if we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, if we believe the truth of sin as explained in the scripture, if we have an eternal hope, that's not because we were smarter than everyone else. That's not because we have Christian parents. That's not because we, as good as our Christian friend was to witness to him, it's not because of that Christian friend in its entirety. It is because God, the Holy Spirit, has opened your eyes and now lives with you and in you in good days and dark days. His abode is with us and with you. And the last piece of testimony of evidence he gives in our section this morning. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Some translations choose, quote, the chosen one. He gives witness that Jesus is from God. He is relationally one with God. He is from God, God in a body. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's pre existent, no beginning 
and no end. He's the one whom God the Holy Spirit remains on. He's the one who baptizes not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And he is the Son of God. Well, church, what will be our response to this first and primary witness? Will we respond like the foolish Pharisees, as recorded as the book goes on, who continually reject the gospel to their own demise? Or will we fulfill the very purpose for which this book was written, to believe in Jesus Christ and have life in his name? The first witness, brothers and sisters, has spoken. Repent and believe. Lord God, thank you for the words of God given to us by the Holy Spirit through the written word. Thank you for the testimony and evidence of this first witness set apart before birth for that very reason to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. We pray, O oh God, that his evidence, his witness would sink deep within our hearts. That you, by your Holy Spirit, would help us to believe and to respond. That we would not turn our backs to the evidence presented. But thanks be to God for your grace. Respond to it as you give us grace to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.